Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I'm Liz Loza with Matt Harmon and Dalton Del Don, and it is Valentine's Day. So, gents, what'd you get me? Uh, it, it got lost in the mail, you know. You couldn't hand deliver it. We worked together. You're sitting next to me. Yeah, but... I figured that it would be best if a delivery guy brought it to you. It's more reliable. It's more expensive. And people say more expensive gifts are better. It's funny that you mentioned a delivery guy because this morning at 11 a.m., I was already in the office getting ready to tape the final ep- episode for season one of Mostly Football. I received a text from my actual real life husband in all caps, that says, the flowers I sent you were on a truck that broke down and will not get to our house until until tomorrow. I promise I tried. I love you. Eek. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he means it? Do you think think that's real? I do think it's real. It's raining, you know, today. And like in the rain, Los Angeles falls apart. That's very true. I actually went through what amounted to a small creek at one point on Overland Avenue and just splashes all across my car while driving in the rain this morning. It was intense. So Dalton, what did you get your wife? And you have two little ones as well. Any Valentine's Day? I want to say like when I was growing up, I hated Valentine's Day because I was never like the cool cheerleader that all the boys sent carnations to. You'll have to bleep that, Brett. Um, But (laughs) but, um, so I was always like, eh, but now that I have like little kids, Valentine's Day is so fun. I am wearing like a red heart pattern sweater today so dalton anyway what'd you get your wife and kids well i already went to a okay not a nice lunch today but it was too hard to get a sitter for tonight and we just had our 10-year wedding anniversary my birthday's upcoming so we're going to try to combine that and valentine's day and a nice little weekend getaway upcoming but other than that and lunch it was mainly just getting the i'm sure you're aware of this liz getting the cards ready for yes. you know chloe's class are our kindergartner I had to have that ready for her class today. And that was our, our main uh, our main agenda for Valentine's Day. Yeah, getting the cards ready. My my son is in TK, so a year in school lower than than Chloe. But there's only five kids in his class, which was awesome. So I only had five to do. But back to you and what you didn't get your wife. No card like a card is pretty easy, Dalton, even if you just like write something on a you could write her a lovely email. And I'm sure she'd be like, oh, my goodness, emotions. I know. I just got her the card for the 10 year last weekend. Come oh, on. God, I mean, last week, literally. So come on. I mean, I, all right. So I like the email idea. So maybe I'll do that after we stop recording this. Uh, I should send her <laughs> something. It is Valentine's Day. You're right. You make all me right. feel guilty now, Liz. You are welcome. And more importantly, you're welcome, Carly. So uh, let's talk about. Yeah, let's change the subject. Let's talk about football. Oh, I'm sweating because <laughs> I got so many chicks. Whatever. That's not, that was <laughs> not the implication of that sentence. You know what? It sounds like we all have types, right? Like I'm going to admit I got a type. Maybe you and Dalton have types. We all know that John Elway most certainly has a type and it is tall, ineffective quarterbacks. (laughs) So big news. I'm sure you've already heard it. Joe Flacco leaving Baltimore for mile high. I should probably add the producer Brett is a rabid Broncos fan. So actually, instead of Matt or Dalton or I doing any analysis, let's hear from you, who's an actual fan of the team. I'm I'm in mourning this this Valentine's Day. It's been pretty it's a pretty rough off season to start. I feel like following your Twitter, it felt like you were kind of talking yourself into it. 
Or is I've that just a, your public persona for your fans? Yeah, that's for my that's for my hashtag Brett Squad. What's up? <laughs> Represent in the eight one eight. No, I, it's it's hor- I mean, I'm very here for is Flacco elite memes. Like oh, once it came great. out, I know it's like I know it's like it's like a meme from like twelve years ago. But I don't know. I just think it's very funny. I can't wait to tweet Flacco in all caps. I can't wait to tweet, is he elite, though, in all caps, this this fall? it's In reality, it's horrible. We're going to have – how many ineffective quarterbacks are we going to have on our roster in August? We're going to have Case Keenum, maybe, one, probably not. Probably no, not. I don't Shane think no. he's going to no, be there no. yet. Joe Flacco? Yeah, probably. We just traded for him. And then like Drew Locke, Drew Locke or You're something gonna, like that. I still think they take Drew Locke. And uh, so some rumors are, are coming out from uh, from Mile High that we're going to let Matt Paradis uh, test free agency. So that's cool to protect our immobile bad quarterback that we just traded for and a rookie quarterback. We saw how well not having an offensive line worked for uh, Mr. Rosen in Arizona. So, you know, we're going to let our offensive line, which was bad, get worse. And we're going to have... Um, you know, if you can't beat him, as they say, you know, that Joe Flacco to Jacoby Jones touchdown in 2012, six years ago. <laughs> Just trade for them six years later. <laughs> you know, if you can't beat him, join him. So um, welcome, Joe Flacco. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun. So like a a positive nugget. Don't make too much out sure. of this because it is literally like nugget size. Yeah. <laughs> the offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello, uh, comes from the Kubiak tree and and Flacco did have his best year in 2014 when With Kubiak, Kubiak yeah. you know, was the OC. So maybe there's some systeming, although he is now obviously five years older and less mobile. And you mentioned the O-line. And for me, the biggest problem with this this offense is that it is slow. It is real slow. You got Emmanuel Sanders and Philip Lindsay both coming off of late season December injuries. He'll be fine. He'll be fine, but he's not ahead of schedule. He's not even he's behind schedule in terms of his recovery. So okay. He's also not technically a receiver. And Emmanuel Sanders is coming off of an Achilles at what is going to be his third age thirty two season. Yeah, I'm assuming Emmanuel Sanders is not gonna be the Emmanuel Sanders uh of your. Uh you know, we're gonna have to pretty fair assumption yeah and so you know it's we're gonna have to ride that Deshaun hamilton train copyright trademark matt Harmon, 2018 and i, I like Cortland sutton i think he's good um Deshaun, I, I didn't really see it with Deshaun. you know we're, we're Flacco's deep ball has diminished significantly over the past few years i mean i was looking like you need a mike wallace everyone wanted to make fun of mike wallace but he had over 70 catches over a thousand yards only four touchdowns but he still had the ability and the speed to take the top off a defense and i don't think you get that with the receivers you currently have on the roster and with the skill set you were i mean he's he needs a get the ball out fast behind an awful o-line he's not going to get you any yards on the ground i'm talking about flacco who's that guy maybe it's Maybe it is Deshaun. I just feel, feel like there's not enough here. Dalton, wh- any takes on what this might mean for Cortland Sutton, who I think from a fantasy perspective is the most intriguing of the young pieces on Denver squad, or at least the most popular? Yeah, not not a great take on Sutton in general, but the Flacco thing, I, I don't understand this at all. The the I think it's hilarious that the Broncos' odds actually got worse in Las Vegas after <laughs> this trade. I, I don't understand what Elway's doing. I mean, if there was any uh, wonder if if he was lucky before that, that's been answered now. I mean, to take on this contract, give up a draft pick. Flacco was just barely passable when he was winning the Super Bowl years ago, and now he's had the worst YPA, you know, ever since he signed that the richest contract in the league. So this is just bizarre, and it's uh, I have no clue why it's been done. And I would say it's a bad news for Sutton. I mean, it's it's, it's bad news for mm-hmm. every uh, every offensive skill position player. Broncos all involved deserve downgrades. Yeah, uh, this. I mean, the draft pick is inconsequential to me. It's a fourth round pick. Who cares? That mm-hmm. doesn't that doesn't really make a big big difference to me. I think that we're probably still going to see the Broncos draft a rookie quarterback. I think it could easily still be Drew Locke at ten. Who John Elway, who is we're sitting here talking about not really trusting his judgment. Uh, apparently, you don't worry about the fourth round pick because Elway would screw that up anyway. Right? Yeah, Elway's right, going to screw yeah, that up, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah, about I mean, the is, there, is there like a six nine guy who can play quarterback that he would like from you know what, Middle Tennessee Lutheran that the, he could have drafted Paxton at, Lynch, quarter, at quarterback? Right, oh. exactly. Yeah. Oh. Paxton. Yeah, don't forget He's Paxton. hanging out with. 
Russell Wilson in Seattle. Yeah. He's soon to be AAF starter Paxton Lynch. Oh, yeah. Go but, fleet. Um, anyway, so I think with Flacco, they get a veteran starter that'll be there for, you know, this year. That's it. A year and a half. After, yeah. I mean, that's another thing with Flacco, too, that we haven't really talked about. Like, you could talk about his diminishing skills. I thought in September he looked, it looked okay. It was like his best football in a while, which isn't saying very much. But the biggest problem with Flacco is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He has back issues. He has a number of other issues cropping up. So I think we probably might, if I had to bet on it right now, I bet we see Flacco start maybe a month and a half. And then by injury or by ineffectiveness, again, behind an offensive line that needs a complete overhaul, we'll see whoever we'll see probably Drew Locker, or rookie quarterback takeover again, who Elway is supposedly smitten with. They hold the 10th overall pick. It's an easy trade to make fun of. And I'm very happy that it happened because it birthed my most popular tweet ever. Uh, my meme of John Elway, you know, picking between two bad quarterbacks. Uh, so thanks a lot, John. But it's an easy trade to make fun of. But in the end, I, I think this isn't. It's not as bad as everyone looks at it because I don't think it's going to be consequential by this time next year. He'll just be cut and you know someone else will be under center. I think the effect on the other pieces on the offense is what everyone's more scared of than actually. Oh, sure. I mean, this. but again, they were banged anyways. I mean, Case Keenum to Joe Flacco at this point to me is a lateral is a literal sure. lateral move. So it just doesn't. I guess it's also just like a digging you hope this season of hope right this is the season of hope you want to deliver on hope you you just want to see a franchise try to pivot try to change we talked about in arizona like i don't know if cliff kingsbury is going to do anything Uh, kyler murray's choosing football now blah 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 but at least there is recognizing that what you're doing isn't working instead of just leaning in harder to the ineffectiveness yeah and the tough thing it's also a major cap hit too yeah Yeah. that's true that's true yeah 26 million against the cap this year yeah it's i mean it's brutal and also by the way like the ravens also flacco is still right now even no matter what whether he's on the roster or not is still the highest cap figure on the ravens as well like there's there this contract has been one of the worst ever given out in league history with the ravens flacco's deal so i mean even though obviously they're moving on lamar jackson whatever they're still paying for the sins of of Flacco. So I get it. Yeah, it's it's a horribly uninspiring move. Again, it's super easy to make fun of. We should all make fun of it. Who gives a shit about making John Elway feel any better? Like that guy's got a, a job for life. Like it doesn't even matter if this doesn't work out. He'll he'll be there next year. Unlike unlike my 49ers who smartly front-loaded Jimmy G's contract. He went from like the second highest paid quarterback last year in the league to like the 23rd this year. Let's stay on topic. We're not talking about you damn 49 Oh, sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. But you make a fine point. Let's also talk about Kareem Hunt. Let's just get it out in the open and done with. I have to say, you know, it's written in the outline here that we're supposed that I'm supposed to say, regardless of whether it's right or wrong. Um, it raises fantasy questions, and that's true. But I, I have been listening for the past few days to all male sports media hot takers talk about the cold bloodedness of the industry and how they felt about mistakes and missteps and second chances. And I have to admit, you know, I, I think. I don't really think I play this card that often. I don't really play the like, but I'm a lady. Let me, you know, I'm pissed. Yeah. Like I'm pissed on a level that's not, first of all, this isn't a mistake. He's being investigated for three separate incidents, right? No one's talking about that. There's video evidence of the one in which he is physical with a woman. So that's the DV one that's leading because we actually have some video proof slash evidence, right? We are coming off of a postseason where Damian Williams and C.J. Anderson, two not expensive later round picks, traded away players, did amazing things for their teams. Why are we continuing to allow this behavior? I mean, Kareem Hunt himself was a third round pick out of a small school. John Dorsey had a relation, drafted him when he was the GM in Kansas City. So he's like, I like him. I'm going to bring him in. I think he's remorseful. The NFL hasn't even finished their investigation. And this is every I'm just hearing all of these like, well, he should get a second shot. I mean, he did. He did enter counseling for anger management issues and alcohol abuse. Three incidents. And you also if we're if hashtag running back talent doesn't matter, then hashtag Kareem Hunt's behavior should. Yeah. And, and it just I totally understand everything that you're saying. Like, it just feels do I mean, if sitting here thinking, yeah, I mean, should the guy never play football again? I, well, I don't there's know second the chances, but, and there's also like, no, you don't get a second chance at being right an away. NFL player. Right? And, you can have a second, yeah. like, you can have a second chance at life. I bet you the Rolfs isn't going to not hire you because of <laughs> yeah. this. I bet you, like, 
And you know what? Even better, I bet like an insurance company probably will give you a job. Everybody's selling life insurance nowadays, and those people are rich. Right. So like this isn't a second chance. This is a second chance at a job that a minuscule percentage of the population gets to do. It always reminds like this is not the same sort of situation on the level of like the wrongdoing that they did. But I, I remember for the first time I ever thought about this. You know, because it's always like, yeah, of course he deserves a second chance. Like it was when Michael Vick got let out of prison uh, for, you know, the dog stuff, but not the dog stuff for for illegally gambling. Really, that's the funny thing about that situation. He didn't go to jail for dog fighting like he went to jail because of cross state gambling. Anyways, whatever. Comes out of prison and goes right away into a job where he's making like a million plus dollars a year as a backup quarterback. And that was the first time I ever thought I was like, that's not really the same thing as a second chance. <laughs> like right. it, it's, it's, it's a very different situation. So I, I agree with what you're saying. And on the Browns perspective too, it just feels so unnecessary, right? Because we know he's headed for Adam Schefter. Well, he's going to be, be suspended six to, games. 10 to, he says it could be 10 to 12 yeah. because of the multiple violations, whatever. And you already have a guy who is, Maybe better than Kareem Hunt in Nick Chubb. I mean, I don't think that's a hot take to say. You like, also have the Chiefs who were like on a Super Bowl run and were like, you know what? We It ain't worth it. Like, yeah. we don't need this guy. So if the Chiefs were like, this isn't a necessary risk to have, then why are the Browns? I mean, we know why, because he's on a league minimum deal with enough incentives to get him to like a million bucks. And so if you're running the numbers, why not have the, this insurance? Sure. But also, you mean to tell me there isn't going to be like an undrafted free agent running back that takes the league by storm come October of next year? It happens yeah. every dang year. Yeah, I know. it. it it's You're paying scouts. So anyway, that's my bit. Sorry if you didn't like it. At me. I'm sure your bros will. And if you did agree with me, it'd be lovely to hear that too. You don't also have to agree. I just feel like it's a perspective on that I'm not I'm not hearing a lot of. And so, you know, I'm I'm into the hashtag running back talent doesn't matter or is or at least that's an interesting conversation to have. And so I feel like if that's true, this guy isn't Le'Veon Bell, who we'll talk about later. Like this guy isn't a Saquon Barkley. He's not a game changer. The only reason I threw it on the on the, the oh, you don't have to apologize. is because it is news. I mean, also, it's early. It's Valentine's Day. Like we're you know we're trying to find some stories to talk about. We will spend all of August discussing where you can draft either of these people. And have no doubts about it. Subscribe to this podcast. You already are probably. I wonder if <laughs> if you're listening in February, you are. You know, we're going to be, talk, we're gonna be talking about you know where you're going to draft Hunt, where you're going to draft uh, Chubb. I do wonder. As you bring up Le'Veon Bell, if this was a move by a team that almost made the playoffs this year, I wonder if this is a proactive move because the Steelers are probably not going to have Le'Veon Bell next year. I wonder if this is a proactive move to prevent Kareem Hunt from signing with the Steelers, your division rivals. I don't know. I've heard people. F- That's an interesting conspiracy theory. I've heard other I agree people. I with Liz on every single point. This guy should be not doing this job. But I've, I've also heard other about people float about, like, did they sign him just to, like, trade him to a running back needy team later in the season? You know, all these sort of things. The chess th- piece theory. Yeah, sure. I mean, sure. To me, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to go ahead and assume that. I, I don't know. I don't know how you, you divide up the backfield now at this point, though. I mean, they signed. So let's Hunt. get to that. Yeah. Like, I mean, he is going to be suspended for anywhere between six to 12 games. Right. I This is not really affecting how I look at Chubb, how I analyze, or how I plan to draft Chubb. Are th- you moving him down at all? Well, I think that's totally fair because I think looking six weeks into the season, and God, you know, God forbid, 12 weeks or whatever, like, forget about it. We don't know anything by that point. Like, things, the board will have totally changed. I think it's fair to knock down Chubb a couple spots because – as I've said on this podcast, I feel like the last several weeks, there are more interesting high-end RB1 types than ever. You know, I thought Chubb could be a potential top 10 guy this year, but now there are a lot of guys maybe I want to break ties in favor of because I can at least confidently think 10 weeks down the line that this guy's still going to be the lion's share carry of guy of his team. But at the same time... Yeah, six weeks down the line, 12 weeks down the line. I mean, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Well, and Dalton, do you think that this knee-jerk reaction, because let's be honest, as fantasy footballers, we tend to hashtag Kevin Ogletree knee-jerk a little bit in our drafting or in our ways, in our waiver wire picking ups. Just, it's a, I don't know, it's a moment-to-moment 
hobby, I guess you could say. Um, and so sometimes we we overdo things. Do you think that now Chubb is automatically going to slip a few spots? And so you might end up getting a, a sort of bargain, especially if he ends up, as Matt suggested, a top 10 pick. I think the Kareem Hunt uh, connection with the Browns is, is nothing further than just the John Dorsey connection. I just really think it is as simple as that. And man, it, it does... It obviously it's somewhat of a damper on Nick Chubb's status. I had him as a top 10 pick. Like, I don't mean just backs. I'm in mean, the first round. He had the best yards per carry after contact ever since they started tracking. I know you guys love that stat um, this, this season. And he even started catching the ball a lot more than you thought. You know, it looked like right away. So, I mean, I thought the, hey, the upside of the number one player with that, you know, offensive line and, and that young offense. So, but now, exactly what Matt said, with so many other options, uh, if Hunt comes back the second half, Use that as a tiebreaker to knock him down from from say a top ten pick if you want to be aggressive top five to now more middle second round or even even later so so yeah to me this de- definitely hurts Chubb's value. All right, well I think I think a lot of people are automatically going to do that so that you might end up getting. Yeah, and for God's sake, a market please, corrected value. If if hypothetically Hunt is suspended more than six games, like ten games or whatever, don't be the damn sucker that takes Kareem Hunt and sits him on your bench for 10 weeks. Just don't even draft the guy. you don't want to handcuff the guy? No. No pun intended? Oh, my God. Uh, No, I I don't want to have just dead weight on my roster like that. This guy coming back for 10. I can just already hear it now, but, like, think of the end of season rewards. I hate hate that argument anyways. Don't don't be drafting that. Don't do it to yourself. Like Scott Pianowski says, you got to win now. Yeah. That is his motto, and I agree with it. So... A couple, well, actually earlier this this week, my goodness, I can't believe we're already at Thursday. Um, I introduced a new series that I'll be continuing throughout the offseason. It's the 10 most interesting players of the offseason. It opened with Darius Geis. Now, this was a player that I was very high on coming into the 2018 NFL draft. He fell, as we all know by now, to Washington. And then it seemed like he was in such a great place, right? Like he was going to mm-hmm. be the primary power option on a run-friendly team, tore his ACL in the preseason opener against the Pats, missed all of last year. Football Twitter was bananas, a buzz, because Geis last week posted a video of himself running, sprinting at full speed, straight line, no cutting, which people are saying is rather remarkable because even after his surgery to correct the ACL. He had three more surgeries due to a an infection or numerous infections that materialized as a result of the initial operation. So he's been under the knife a bunch. And so it's nice to see him running at full speed. But again, he's not cutting. We know that he's an angry rusher, right, which could lean into some durability concerns. We don't know what the quarterback situation is in Washington, and that could obviously affect the run game. Um, and Adrian Peterson still not completely off the squad. He's on a he's expected to be a free agent, but it hasn't happened yet. I think he'll I think Peterson will resign with I Washington. Think too. I, I think, think it's Pe- a nice insurance policy for yeah. him. I think Peterson will resign there. I think I mean again, you mentioned the quarterback situation. It's to me it's the worst one in the league by by far because they're stuck Hey. With- no, no, no. You listen. <laughs> listen, you've got a quarterback, but at least your quarterback is going to play this year. And by the way, you're only tied into his salary this coming year. Washington is on the hook cap wise for Alex Smith this year and Alex Smith next year, no matter what. They basically just have to say there's just twenty two million dollars or whatever around that much. I think it's actually more than that. That's just going to be stuck on our salary cap for this year and next year. We just kind of have to just ignore that and just pretend that's not happening. So I don't know what the hell they're going to do at quarterback. They might bring in a Tyrod Taylor type. They might bring in a Teddy Bridgewater type, but that's about all they can afford. I don't think they can go break the bank for Nick Foles. What about Tannehill? I saw some weird Tannehill rumors. Yeah, they could could go. They could get into the And again, yeah, we're just kind of like – I mean, at all of these, I mean, Tyrod has proven to be a guy who can move an offense a little bit. And I I think think Tyrod under center would actually help Geist because at least that mobility would open up some holes. And I I mean, we thought that the Redskins O-line last year, if they could stay healthy, they'd be great. And they, they did have their moments, but health and gelling and figuring out that whole equation in the trenches is this really supporting difficult. cast is bad too. And he doesn't he is an a wonderfully angry rusher, but he does need holes. He doesn't yeah. create necessarily. Yeah, the line is still good, but look at their pass catching group too. Josh Doxson, I think, is a bust. 
Paul mm-hmm. Richardson was hurt late last year, also ridiculously overpaid. Jamison Crowder's Can't a free agent. Jordan Reed, I mean, we know the Jordan Reed situation. And yeah, I mean, they could take a rookie at the 15th overall pick, but I mean, this is one of the worst offenses in the league, and we're looking at a potential part-time running back who's not played it down in the NFL, and it might be on the worst offense in the NFL. So Dalton... People were drafting Darius Geis to be a top 20 producer heading into last year. Adrian Peterson remarkably ended up the RB 18 in Yahoo half point PPR formats. Would you expect Geis to, I mean, I think it's fair to assume he'll be a fourth round pick. Um, in 12 team exercises. I'm not taking him there, but like I did a poll on Twitter and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, he'll be a top 33 option. I'm not sure I buy that. I ab- actually would be stunned. And again, I was super, I paid 28 bucks for him in my auction league and got banged. But I do not expect Geis to meet or improve upon AP's 2018 numbers. Yeah, so I wanted to say Adrian Peterson re-signing would be good news for Geis, you know, at age 34, 2,900 career carries. But, you know, the same could have been said about Frank Gore last year. And I and I just can't ignore the fact that maybe it's science or whatever, just uh, whatever. These guys are able to play that position longer than they have in the past. So if you did resign, maybe it would be a problem. Ask me specific rankings for guys right now. I'm more so looking at second base and shortstop for my fantasy baseball rankings. But <laughs> uh, for... Fourth round, certainly the, the the groan that Matt made set was similar feelings. I, that seemed a little early for someone coming off a major injury and arguably the worst situation in football. So that that seemed high to me. All right, let's talk about Le'Veon Bell really quickly because he was the second person player in my offseason series that posted today on Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Obviously interesting because of the will he, won't he flirting with all sides drama a lot of people want to and he leans into it man like whether he's juice or he's on a jet ski in Miami with TMZ like he is loving the attention he gets the internet tilted every time he makes a cheeky tweet he tweeted about Valentine's Day like he was like well I guess I probably won't be getting any Valentine's Day any Valentine's again this year and then something else about how it feels to be appreciated and of course people just go bananas every time he does it but I put out a poll on the social media platforms asking people where they thought he would land either the Colts with the Colts with the Ravens or with the Jets or other the front runner seems to be the Jets at 43% Indianapolis at 29% 16% said Baltimore and then 12% to other and among the others people replied with Houston Chicago Tampa Bay, which what? we talked about. I, I don't think Chicago's right. But lots of Houston and Tampa Bay. You and I, we all talked about Tampa Bay being a potential landing spot on last week's episode. On today's uh, final episode of Mostly Football for Season 1, Marty and I talked about it. And Marty felt like he'd like to see him in New York because he would really help a young quarterback have a check down option and he could change that offense a lot. Um, but the question remains, again... In a world in which you don't have to overpay for talent necessarily, is Le'Veon worth $17 million annually with $45 million in guarantees? That would make him the highest paid running back in the league. I mean, I think it's worth it for the Jets and like almost that's about it. Um, I think the Texans is an interesting argument. They have the fourth most cap space in the NFL. Um, they've obviously gotten a solid but very not spectacular performance out of Lamar Miller. Um, I think that offense overall needs more juice. Uh, After DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, when he's there, they don't have much else going on. Demarius Thomas expected to be released. Yeah, he's going to be released. I mean, that was a no-brainer. 14 million against the cap. No way coming off an Achilles. So they don't have much going on. I think that's interesting for them. The Jets, who I know we'll talk about a little bit later, they're my favorite landing spot because I do think I will I'll agree with uh, Martellus Bennett that uh, it would be good for a young quarterback there. I don't care so much about his rushing ability with the Jets. Uh, by the way, they need to have some work done on their offensive line. But I think as a receiving option, it would be great for Darnold to have. I know people love the Colts. I hate the Colts. Well, that's I. where Lev wants to go. I mean, he has good. It's tweeted nice. it's about nice to want, him and all the other fantasy weenies want to see him end up in uh, Indianapolis. But and they they do have the most cap space in the NFL, but I don't think they really have a need. Naheem Hines is capable as a pass catcher. Marlon Mack is capable as a rusher. And I feel like there's so much more they can do with that roster space, the cap that they have, the draft picks. They have an extra second round pick from those same New York Jets. 
uh, with the I would love to see them go after Antonio Brown. Uh, I tweeted about that this week. I'd love to see them trade two second round picks, grab Antonio Brown from the Steelers. I think that would be great. Of I don't want to see T.Y. Hilton and Antonio Brown on the same offense. Oh, I do. Why not? Because I feel like they're pretty close facsimiles of one another. Oh, like, I, I don't why know. Not have two of a good thing? I'm not sure that that ego system is going to work. That ego system without, within the ecosystem is going to work. Well, if I can be honest with you, I don't think Brown gets traded at all. Like, I think it's funny that he, uh, it's going to be great to see him walk back into Steelers training camp in August. Like, nothing happened after tweeting a video. You mean land in his helicopter? Yeah, land in his helicopter or t- teleport in or whatever the hell he's going to do. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, it's nice that he thinks he wants to be, he wants to be traded, but. They don't have to trade him. He's not getting released. I, I don't. I think those and th- that's a team that I think they need to shut up and figure it out. Like they need to just. They're they have like two years left with Ben Roethlisberger to win a Super Bowl. They ha- their window is closing. Well, the killer bees out. are no more if yeah. you know Lev is gone. But so, what are your thoughts, Dalton, on whether it's Pittsburgh or Le'Veon? Yeah, real life, no way I'm paying money for the running back position like that. But fantasy terms, um, I, I think the Jets, yeah, would be the best fantasy landing spot with no no really other back for competition there. Although Elijah McGuire was a clear upgrade down the stretch. But yeah, Le'Veon Bell on the Jets seems to me like a, a would be a great landing spot. Well, Matt, you also have an off-season series. You want to talk about it a little bit here? Yeah, we've talked about it on the last couple of episodes. Um, I'm going division by division, uh, looking at each team's most pressing question that they have to answer. They have to answer it this off-season if they want to have some clarity uh, going into the 2019 season. And the one we're going to talk about today is the great AFC East, home to the yet again Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. So I guess I'll just start talking about it because uh, that's what you do on a podcast is you talk. Uh, first up, the Jets. We were just kind of talking about them. And my my thought on them is, of course, their qu- pre- most pressing question has to be, what's the plan for maximizing Sam Darnold? Because it's all it's like almost too cliche now at this point. Basically, everybody knows if you have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal, like and he's pretty good. And I think we can feel pretty good about Sam Darnold coming out of his... When he came back from injury, he looked much better. Sure. Yeah, we can feel pretty good about him coming into his second season what's the plan for maximizing him they have that advantage of the rookie contract they have all this cap spaces we're just mentioning i think that getting Le'Veon bell could indeed be part of that plan he would bring them a nice short area receiver now they have two receivers on the roster in quincy and nunwa and robbie anderson who's a restricted free agent but i would almost guarantee that they bring him back even though he does feel like the clear player that Gase is going to clash with. Can't you see that? You know, we've talked about it already. Exactly. I think those two will be back. I think Chris Herndon, who showed some flashes, might get a suspension because he has a DUI, but he could be there. But after that, like, I think they need to bring some talent into the offensive line, which was one of the worst run blocking units in the entire NFL and allowed too much pressure. But could they bring in another receiver? Could they get in the market for a Tyrell Williams or, uh, Devin Funches, even, you know, another tier down. Tyrell Williams, by the way, probably like the bell of the ball of the free agent group because it's not a great class and he definitely has a lot of ability. I, I feel like there's got to be some like old tight end that Gase is going to want to bring in, right? To give him a oh, security yeah. blanket and Julius Thomas him in the end zone, you know, like that. I, I would keep an eye on that. Although you could argue that like Quincy Nuno is one of those tweeners, so maybe he'll just be used in that way more. Quincy Nuno needs to stay healthy, though. That's also a a huge problem. And if I I think if Herndon does have a a DUI and does miss time that Gase would go after some sort of tight end. He didn't wasn't able to, like, get Gasecki in Miami to ROI in his first year. But that's not completely atypical out of rookie tight ends. So I'd like to see him get a tool, whether it's LeBell, as we talked about, or or, or something. He needs a security blanket right now because what he's got isn't quite enough. Dalton. You know, you talk you you like Robbie Anderson quite a bit. So how are you going to rank him in this? Or is that the conundrum? Yeah, I love Robbie Anderson. Six, three, one ninety front to four, four, forty. I mean, he's just a bunch of end zone targets and a deep threat last down the stretch last year. You saw all those targets emerging young QB. But as you guys mentioned, Adam Gase, he kind of threw me for a loop. I was high on Kenyon Drake last year. So I could see myself going through a similar thing, but a different position. But I don't know. You guys tell me, uh, should should I be tempering expectations or is Anderson going to finally break out like I hope he was going to this year? I mean, he certainly looked like the upside through the roof down the stretch this year. Yeah, it's funny. Like this time last year, everybody's like, well, you can't draft Robbie Anderson too high because he's going to get suspended. Yeah, I know. And then never got suspended and then just spent most like the early. It's funny because Inunua and Anderson 
are, I think, good players, but brought their abilities at different times of the season. Anderson mm-hmm. was very quiet in the beginning and Nunwa got off to a hot start and then it was the reverse at the end of the year. So I think that I think Anderson is a fine player, but right now I would I would assume that if both are healthy for 16 games and Nunwa probably sees more targets, I think. In, I think in the this volume offense. is going to go his way because of what we talked about, the tweening ability for him and Anderson's like efficiency in the red zone is what makes him so incredibly interesting and and such a great producer but we always say follow the volume and man i'm already getting nervous about greg williams and adam gase oh and yeah you heard that beef right that greg williams wanted to like hire his son and, and adam he got gase, his way he got his way for now but you know adam gase has like got some sort of chalkboard in his kitchen at home where he's like one for greg williams zero for adam gase and then he's like keeping some sort of tally like, I don't know, in his man cave or something. I, I totally agree with that. Um, also, again, if we're talking about these two receivers, Anderson more of the vertical threat. I, I again, will reiterate, they need offensive line help. In addition to being a poor run blocking team, uh, Darnold was one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure last year. 39.7 pass rating went under duress. Um, but when he was kept clean, 93.9. So if they can beef up that pass protection, then maybe Anderson Give becomes him a bit the of a time better threat to... Yeah, to be a vertical guy. Right. Yeah. I, I could see it in PPR, maybe, but get out of here with that Noon was stuff. I mean, the other side is, I mean, <laughs> a- 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 Anderson's big, he's fast, he's, he can throw the ball in the end zone and way down the field, he's top 25 in yards per out run with a horrible, you know, rookie, shaky quarterback, man. I mean, Anderson's the guy who could win your league for you. So if they add Lev Bell, then I would say that boosts Robbie Anderson. But if they don't, then I'm going to continue to lean on Anunwa. Fair, fair. All right, let's talk about the Dolphins because we're talking about Adam Gase. That seems like uh, an easy segue, Matt. What do you what do you think about this organic tanking rumor? Is it really going to happen? We skipped the bills, but we can go back to the. We can go back. I mean, it's not in any yeah, order, yeah, yeah, yeah. bro. I'm sorry, sorry. Jeez. All right, I'm Don't sorry. Don't blow me up. I'm, you I'm started shook. with the I'm Jets. Shook. I was going off the article. Yeah. Anyways, Brett. I was going off the outline. Ugh, I'm so sick of Brett. Uh, just you know, really, right really here. wrecking us, man. It's terrible. Right anyway, sorry guys. Yeah, apologies. Sorry, accepted. I disappointed both of you today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll figure out by the end of the show. I'm going to disappoint you. In some I accept way. your apology. Just say something about Jimmy G, and we'll all be even. <laughs> I accept your apology. Jimmy anyway. G is trash. Ooh, that's oh, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> that's the Flacco guy talking here. Uh, anyways, most pressing question for the Miami Dolphins: Are we really going to tank, and what will it look like? So. This sounds like it's really going to happen. The 2019 Dolphins tank job might already be well underway. Veteran beat reporter Armando Salguero, who has connections with the owner, is deeply tied in the organization. It's organic tanking. Is organic tanking. Whatever. I don't understand what that really means. Uh, that means, like, if we're losing, we're going to lose, I'm right. guessing, versus, like, we're really going to try not to lose. Right. We're going yeah. to let, let it unfold how it's going to unfold. It's nice. Organic tanking. It makes it sound a <laughs> it little makes better. It makes it nice. Yeah, it makes it nice. Like, not as, not as, it doesn't sting as much. Anyways, you know, it's not going to sit well with everybody. Fans, I think, will be pissed players about it. Players with player, incentives? Yeah, players certainly <laughs> won't like it. But I think this is a good move for Miami long term. Because they've been kind of in that six to ten, six and ten, eight and eight purgatory, really for like the better part of a decade, mm-hmm. um, and they consistently go as Salguero points about in his article. They consistently try to see their biggest need and just pay the best player on the market to go and fix it. Remember Mike Wallace years ago. Remember in Dominican Sue, the free agency overpay. That's the, the Miami free, yes, way. That exactly right. So. I think this is good for them long term because, look, the, it's tanking has worked out for the Browns, even though Sashi Brown saw the rug pulled out from under him. He built up all those resources. And that's, I think, because of that, because of getting out of that, try, because basically just letting the boat sink as opposed to trying to tread water. Now they're able to swim again. And they're here as one of the most exciting teams coming into 2019 because they finally got the quarterback pick right, whatever. They have all the resources to really build a nice roster. Anyways, I think the Browns, I mean, I think the Dolphins can get to that point as well. But the question for us here in 2019 is what does that look like? What is this offense going to look like? Because Tannehill will certainly be out. They'll just have to part of the tank job is they're just going to have to take it on the chin with his dead money this year while, while having him off the roster. I don't think they pursue then a Nick Foles type. I don't think they draft their quarterback this year. I think we see three way tandem of 
one of the guys on the roster, like Jake Rudock or Luke Falk, you know, again, nobody's going to know who they are. Uh, you know, a mid-level free agent, like maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick type gets added. And then we see, you know, maybe a day three rookie or something. But I think this offense is going to be really bleak. I think assets like Kenyon Drake and Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills are underrated. But that's really all you can talk about at this point with this offense. It's, it's going to be gross if they're really tanking. I mean, my, no- my notes are who is on this team? Yeah. Case Keenum is available. We'll take a, four, a fourth rounder that we gave away to Baltimore. No one is trading for Case Keenum. Oh, come, come on, man. When the report, <laughs> when the report gets leaked, like the Broncos will, will trade or release Case Keenum. Like, so they will release yeah. Case yeah. Keenum. Yeah. So there, maybe they sign him in free agency. But again, I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this type of offense. It just might be a total stay away for 2019. I want. I need to see more how this unfolds. Like, we need to know what's happening at the quarterback position. Devontae Parker, we expect to be released. You know, Dalton's already said it this episode. He's got big feelings. He is up in his feelings about some Drake. So what, do you, what are you thinking? You got the hotline bling or what? That's a reference, Dalton. A cool kid's reference. Yeah, that's really my only thought on Miami is Kenyon Drake. Uh, so I talked about he had the highest yards per carry after contact last year ever since it was recorded. And then that fell to 39th last year, tied with Peyton Barber. I'm not sure if that's more of an indictment on the stat or Drake himself, but it's something to think of when I do hype up Chubb for finishing so impressively in the stat there. But yeah, that's all I got. Kenyon Drake burnt me last year, and uh, the Dolphins are pretty much the most boring team in football, and I'm not really sure... What's the point of their existence, really? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. They need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. Is it? That's what. Really. Yeah. They need I mean, a quarterback, I mean, but I don't uh, think they find it till twenty twenty. I think they punt. Yeah, the, I think they punt it. it. But that's, we can't make exactly. a decision right. right now based on that. I mean, sure. e- even Case Keenum showing up there is different than who Lock Falk, whatever the guy you Luke would, Falk. Luke Falk. Like <laughs> that's a different situation than Case Keenum. Sure. Like I said, I think there will be a veteran quarterback in the Keenum Ryan Fitzpatrick mold. A day three rookie, and then those two, one of those two goofballs that I mentioned earlier, Falk and Rudolph. So, uh, Ruddick, sorry, I don't know. This, this is what we're dealing with now. So right. yeah, basically, uh, f the Daltons, adult uh, Daltons, oh. <laughs> f the Dolphins in 2019 is what the take is. It here. is heat. All right, so now, I love Dalton. Dalton's my uh, Dalton's my second favorite Yahoo fantasy analyst here that we have. Why don't you talk about the Bills since you were so amped? about Orchard Park. Let's talk Bills. So I think their most pressing question, again, comes back to their second-year quarterback. It's how do we stabilize Josh Allen? Because I think Josh Allen performed better than everybody expected as a rookie. I mean, he was about what you could expect in terms of he was an inaccurate passer. His uh, completion percentage was poor. We knew that was going to be the case. But he was electrifying as a runner, which – Do they want to harness more of that going into next year? Because a lot of his rushing yards came on just more improvisational scrambles rather than designed runs like a Lamar Jackson or something like that. Does that become a base part of the offense? I think they need to look at uh, rebuilding their receiver core. Zay Jones kind of leveled out his play after being a total nightmare in year one. Um, He's more of a slot receiver, about a 40, 45% slot guy at this point. Robert Foster was a big deep threat down the stretch. I know Dalton, I think you liked him down the stretch, which is, you know, that was a nice hit. 43% of his passing yards or 43% of his yards came on 20 plus yard downfield throws. So they have something there with those two, but I think that they certainly need to look at uh, rebuilding the receiving core. And they're also a team that needs help on the offensive line. Um, Not only did they allow waves of pressure, they were a miserable run blocking unit. Uh, They were the 24th ranked rushing offense in in DVOA last year. And is LaShawn McCoy even going to be back? That's a whole nother question. The report is he is staying for 2019. So, yeah, I mean, I think they need to just look at ways to maximize this, this player, but is that even possible? Or is Josh Allen just always going to be who he is? Cause I know certain analysts are excited about him as a fantasy passer next year. Dalton, you want to talk about your sneaky receivers and Robert Foster? I mean, my issue here is the backfield. Also, I would like to see Josh Allen have a tight end. Jason Kroom came on towards the end of the season. I think he started four of his last five games, flashed at moments, but he's not a prototypical, you know, blocking and receiving tight end. He just leans more towards the receiving. And if they do have these O-line issues, they're going to need a tight end who can get there and block. But again, I got to see what the team is ready to move forward with before I can make 
any assumptions. To me, Josh Allen does have these receivers. I want you to talk about them, but he doesn't have, he has an old running back behind a bad run blocking unit and no security blanket outside of this Kroom guy. So it's, it's, you know, it's like big, big pop for Kroom. It's hard to see him being stabilized when he doesn't have prototypical pieces around him that generally help a developing QB. Yeah, I, I like Robert Foster. He finished ahead of Antonio Brown and Julian Edelman in yards per route run. I mean, that's in bad weather with a rookie quarterback throwing to him. He was a former top recruit, Alabama. He looked good. He passed the eye test. Uh, Zay Jones had something like six touchdowns his last seven games. So uh, they're definitely interesting, uh, some pieces there for, for Allen to throw to. Running back, the clear, clear glaring need here. And obviously the one fantasy owners would be the most uh, curious about. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Kareem Hunt earlier. Like, uh, that, this would have been a spot I would have thought he might for sure sign with, you know, Buffalo or something like that. But obviously now we're, you know, we're in this weird situation with him in Cleveland. But luckily for the Bills, this class does seem to have some depth at receiver. I would think a receiver like Nikhil Harry out of, uh, I think, Arizona State. Um, he's a big target who can make plays after the catch. Also, is great at high-pointing the ball in contested situations. You know, he makes some just crazy catches uh you know in tight coverage i think that would be a nice accuracy eraser for uh josh allen um and this also this class does have a lot of depth at offensive tackle that's what i was gonna say so yeah. i think that's where we might see them take their top 10 pick uh right. maybe to get a left i mean particularly might... ot is more than guards which i think is just weird like that's a weird distinction that like tackles this year are deep. But the, the league needs it so yeah. yeah well then they can stop overpaying that would be nice at the position all right, and last team in the AFC East, of course, is the damn Patriots, the Empire. Great, cool. I think their most pressing question is who stands next to Tom Brady as the face of this offense going forward? Because I think you can look at two in this giant dynasty that the Patriots have had over the NFL. I think you can look at two specific kind of chapters of it. First chapter is it was more about the defense um, than Brady. And then the second half has been kind of inducted during the Moss Welker era and has really been more of the Gronk era for the Patriots. But to me, whether Gronk retires this year or not is almost inconsequential because I I think at this point, based on what we saw in 2018, he's no longer up to being that face of the offense alongside with Brady. They need something else. And their receiver depth chart is, you know, Super Bowl MVP and everybody's golden boy right now, Julian Edelman. And after that, nothing. Dorsett is a free agent. Chris Hogan, free agent. Out the door. Cordero Patterson, free agent. There's just, you know, guys like Braxton Berrios is like the number two receiver. No, and Malcolm Mitchell got released ahead of last. I really had good feelings about Malcolm uh, Mitchell. I loved Malcolm Mitchell. We have similar taste in receivers. I don't think people. That's because we like good receivers. Anyways, so Mitchell was a guy I loved. But yeah, obviously knee problems foiled his career. Yeah, me, me, on the other hand, I was high on Chris Hogan. Well, you weren't alone there, though. So at least there's that. There's a lot of people that loved Chris Hogan. Um, But anyway, so yeah, basically... Their pass catcher core needs a total overhaul. Total overhaul. So that leads me to the backfield, which is you know what vexes fantasy owners always. Do we see kind of the the final twilight chapter here of the Patriots era be much more of a run focused team? Do we see Sony Michelle be that face? I think James White will remain in his role. Rex Burkhead, I don't think they can get out of his contract this year, so he's probably going to be around. But I think we all know that when we have the Patriots backfield narrowed down to just two players, it's very beneficial for fantasy. And if we can get Michelle, by the way, was not a pass a pass catching threat at all, ran just 55 routes all season. Even in the postseason, he averaged just six routes per game, caught one pass. So if we have White in a clear role and Michelle in a clear role, is this the face of the Patriots going forward? Are they much more of a run focused team like they were in the playoffs? Yeah, I think Michelle's interesting where to rank in fantasy terms. I mean, remember last year he entered camp I mean, without any camp, coming off an injury as a rookie. So, yes, he doesn't run any, or at least he didn't as a rookie run any pass routes. But given that O-line and that situation, obviously, all the scoring opportunities, I feel like sometimes people would complain that, oh, he's not getting all the, the touches. You know, these other running backs are getting 12 touches or 18 touches. It doesn't matter if he still approaches 15 to 20 carries a game and uh, two or three of them are always, you know, at the goal line. So to me, Michelle's like a borderline second round fantasy pick next year in that situation. Michelle's uh, game also developed 
over the season. He did not look good the first, I want to say, month of the season, not just because of the knee injury, but he was having trouble finding holes. He wasn't creating after content. He wasn't uh, content after contact. He wasn't, wasn't, you know, staying up. So he did improve drastically, I think, as the season unfolded. Um, for me, so I looked at who, what sort of draft picks the Patriots have because traditionally, although this seems to be a different tradition, the Patriots don't draft anybody. Like, that's not really their game. They did, however, draft Sony Michelle, as we're talking about. And I, I sort of feel like if they traded up for Sony Michelle, they're going to use him, especially if he has a knee injury, because that's the Belichickian way. We paid for him. He's going to be run down into the ground. Congratulations, you know. By the way, did you ever see this, like, NFL Films clip of this, to me, is just such peak Belichick. Julian Edelman's rookie year, he's either running back a punt or a return or something for a huge oh, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Welker is standing in sweats. Um, I think he'd been concussed for the umpteenth time next to Belichick. Belichick's staring, no, not looking at Welker, staring straight out at Edelman. Edelman's, you know, doing his thing. Everyone's going wild. This rookie's incredible. And without looking at him, Belichick says, like through the side of his mouth to Welker, you ever heard of Wally Pip? And Welker, you know, takes him a second. He's like, nah, nah, man. Who's, who's Wally Pep? He's like, oh, it's the guy who came before Lou Gehrig. You should look him up. And then walks away. Ugh. Savage. What a monster. Oh, my goodness. But I do think, so that leads me to believe that Sony Michelle is going to continue to be run. When you look at the um, picks that the Patriots have in the 2019 draft, they have eight picks uh, another four potential compensatory picks, one in the first round, it's the 30, 32nd pick of the first round, two in the second round, one in the third, one in the fourth, so on and so forth. So to me, I feel like a vertical threat would be something that the Patriots are going to go after. You know, Chris Hogan wasn't able to convert on any of his targets in the Super Bowl, but he was targeted. So it seems to me like this is a glaring need. And Josh Gordon was a nice Band-Aid for the team in the middle of the season. So it would just shock me if Belichick doesn't find, as he normally does, a cheaper priced receiver that can convert, climb the ladder and 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 bring down those contested catches, those 50-50 balls, win those 50-50. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that that'll be a nice target for Belichick. I don't know who yet. Yep, it has to be a target for sure. Right. And I think I, that is someone that I would be willing to, um, when the rookie rankings come out, probably rank pretty high just based on landing spot. Cool, we did it. Cool, we did it. So you guys seem really excited about that. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Hearts Day. Yeah, Stop well, with the mugging. What? Oh, you, you know, this isn't a video podcast yet, but if you could see Harmon's like <laughs> twisting his face in a grumpy way every time I said Happy Valentine's Day. That I mean, love into your life, man. Oh, no, I don't need to do that. Um, the three of us are all, what is it, cuffed? Yeah, you're all cuffed. Cuffs. That's good for you. I'm not. I'd rather be dead. Betrothed. Oh, stop. I'd rather be dead. <laughs> oh, I'm boy. not. I'm. You know, Look I, at you showing off for our listeners. I just came out of a relationship a couple months ago. I'm not trying to get into another one. I know, bro. I was there for you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. So Matt is married to Brussels sprouts. The rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's a happy marriage. <laughs> the rest of us wish you a very happy Valentine's Day. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the drama. There is no off season. I'm Liz Lowe's. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz Lowe's underscore FF. That is Matt Harmon at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and Dalton Del Don at Dalton Del Don. If you have any questions go ahead and tweet us at yahoo fantasy and be sure to subscribe on apple Podcasts. leave us a nice rating and review because you know what kindness pays peace too bad we didn't get a shout out for the hashtag brett squad hashtag brett. I, I would almost said that i'm so close <laughs> to saying that <laughs> and follow at brett raider for the hashtag brett squad join up yeah. flacco is the elite well i don't know <laughs>